Hello, saints. It's so good to be back with you again. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, I love you, Lord. And I just praise you and I glorify you, Father. And I thank you for putting it in our hearts to surrender everything to you on your altar, Lord. And I ask and I pray that you place it after, place it in our hearts to run after you with all of our hearts, Lord. You know, Father God, there's too many people out there that believe the lie that they have already arrived. And that's a sad thing. They don't have to do anything but just listen to, to the preacher up there. You know, Father, you've set out goals for us. And the goal is to be Christ-like. And most of the people don't even know it, Lord. Father, I ask that you help us to understand those things. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Well, we're going to talk about Christ, the power and wisdom of God. Now let's start with Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 32. For the backsliding of the simple shall slay them. Now when scripture talks about falling away, it's talking about backsliding. Proverbs 1 32. For the backsliding of the simple shall slay them, and the careless ease of fools shall destroy them. There's a problem in most of Christianity in that our mind is infected with this world, its ways, and its thinking. And it has to be renewed. There's too many people out there that believe that the beginning and the end of Christianity is just to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. That ain't written anywhere in the Word of God. What Jesus said in the Word is to repent and believe. And what that means is to change your mind and believe what I say. That's what he's talking about. Mark chapter 1 and verse 15 says, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe in the gospel. And yet there's too many people that think they've stopped, stepped over some kind of an imaginary line, and all they got to do now is just sit down and rest in the flesh. But you're not going to be able to bear fruit when you do that. Luke chapter 6 and verse 43 says, for there is no good tree that brings forth corrupt fruit, nor again a corrupt tree that brings forth good fruit. Without bearing fruit, you're not going to be born from above. John chapter 3 and verse 3 says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except one be born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, let's go to Proverbs 1.20 again and look at who wrote, For the backsliding of the simple shall slay them. Proverbs 1 and 20 says, Wisdom crieth aloud in the street. So we see right here that wisdom is the one speaking here. And scripture also says over in 1 Corinthians 1.24, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's Jesus speaking. He's the wisdom of God. And from John, we know that he's also the Word of God. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Therefore, the Word of God is the wisdom of God. And the Word gives you very clear directions to seek Him. Not once, not by just shaking a preacher's hand or anything like that, but to seek Him and put that wisdom into your heart. Putting that wisdom in your heart is what's going to protect and deliver you from this falling away. Because as the Bible warns us in Psalm 58 and 3, it says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. Now let's continue reading in Proverbs 1.20. Wisdom crieth aloud in the street. She utters her voice in the broad places. That's the broad road where the many are. You don't want to be there. <laughs> Verse 21, she cries in the chief place of concourse. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her words. How long, ye simple ones? Well, that Hebrew word there means foolish or silly, uh, able to be seduced or naive. They're simple. These people are simple to the knowledge of God. Then it goes on and says, Will ye love simplicity? 
and scoffers delight them in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Fools hate knowledge. Do you know how we know that people hate knowledge? It's because they don't choose to seek it out. They choose the world and the worldly over the word. And they let someone just tell them how it is instead of seeking out their own salvation, as it says in Philippians 2 and 12, with fear and trembling. They'd rather pay some preacher somewhere to give the truth, so to speak. Well, here's the truth. Matthew 22 and 14. For many are called, but few chosen. That's what it says. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, 8 and 9. Be not ashamed, therefore, of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but suffer hardship with the gospel according to the power of God, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before times eternal, who saved us and called us. You don't get called until you get saved. This calling is a Greek word that means invitation. We're being invited to partake of the things of the kingdom of God. And yet there's a whole bunch of folks out there not partaking of these. Although it's written in, they're real plain to see. You can show it to them, but they've been inoculated by that dead old religion to not believe what's written in the word of God. And that's why many are the called and few are the chosen. Now, when you go out into a field that you have plenty, which is what God has done in a parable, you're looking for the fruit. You're going to pick the fruit. You're going to uh, combine the heads of the wheat, right? You don't care about the plant. You plow the plant under after you gather the fruit, and it goes back to the soil just like the old body. Jesus, in the parable of the sower, pointed out to us four different types of people. And three of the four, when they heard the good news, fell away. Even though they were the ones, at least the last three were, these were the ones who were called. Mark 4 and 14. The sower sows the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. When they, have, when they have heard, straightway comes Satan and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And these in like manner are they that are sown upon the rocky places who, when they have heard the word straightway, receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, straightway they stumble. And others, others are they that are sown among the thorns. These are they that have heard the word, and the cares of the world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And those are they that were sown upon the good ground, such as hear the word, and accept it, and bear fruit, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And again, three of the four types when they heard the good news, fell away. Only one bore fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. That's the true kingdom people. So if you love simplicity, if you love the very simple lie that all you need to do is shake somebody's hand, shake the preacher's hand, and then go sit on a pew and wait for the rapture, well, you're one of these fools who hates knowledge. And if that's all you do, you're hating knowledge. You need to seek out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2 and 12. Proverbs 1, 23 through 26. Turn you at my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit upon you. You know, many reject the spirit of God, the spirit of wisdom. And if you don't seek out your own salvation, what you're doing, you're rejecting the spirit of God and the spirit of wisdom. as like it was given in the book of Acts. And it goes on and says, I will make known my words unto you, because I have called and ye have refused. I have stretched out my hand, and no man hath regarded, but you have set at naught all my counsel, and would not of my reproof. And I also will laugh in the day of your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes, 
when your fear comes as a storm and your calamity comes on as a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then will they call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they shall not find me. For that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. You know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, is it not? It tells us that in Proverbs 9 and 10. Then verse 30, they would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. You know, it's a whole lot simpler to let some preacher out there who is walking in the flesh tell you how easy it is to be in the kingdom and that you really don't have to lose your life, as Jesus said, in order to gain your life. You don't really have to do that. That's the hard way. Just accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Sit on the pew. Be sure and pay your tithes and everything's going to be fine. That's what the apostate religion tells you. Proverbs one thirty one says, Therefore shall they eat of the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Man, there's a bunch of devices out there now. There's unconditional eternal security. And that's a real deadly one. And it teaches you that you don't have to do anything after receiving salvation. But look what the truth says, what the scripture says, Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works that no man should glory. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God afore prepared that we should walk in them. Those who don't have good works, they are obviously not the people of God, and they'll speak against the works, although what the Bible says is just the opposite. The Bible says that you're going to be judged according to your works, and it says it real clear, over and over and over again. So how do we bear the fruit of good works? First of all, you got to put goodness in your heart. you got to put goodness and love in your heart because it's that wisdom of God, the Word of God, that reprograms our hard drive to think, walk, talk, and act and bear the fruit of Jesus Christ. Proverbs one thirty two says, For the backsliding, now backsliding means falling away, the backsliding of the simple shall slay them, and the careless ease of fools shall destroy them. But whoso hearkens unto me shall dwell securely, and shall be quiet without fear of evil. Proverbs 2 and 1 says, My son, now we're talking about wisdom talking here, My son, if thou wilt receive my words, and lay up my commandments with thee, so as to incline thine ear unto wisdom, and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou cry after discernment, and lift up thy voice for understanding. Father, give us discernment and understanding. Glory to God. Well, the Bible promises that if you ask the Lord for wisdom, he's going to give it to you. And if you ask him for understanding, he'll give that to you. If you ask for discernment, he'll give you that also. So don't be double-minded, but ask him, seek him. James 1, 5 through 8 says, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing doubting. For he that doubts is like the surge of the sea, driven by the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. You know, ask the Lord even to put it in your heart to desire it. Proverbs 2 and verse 4 says, If thou seek her, if you seek wisdom, as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. There's a lot of people out there that hear the scriptures, but they totally ignore what they've heard because they don't have the fear of the Lord. And it goes on and says, And find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Verse 7, he lays up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to them that walk in integrity. 
that he may guard the paths of justice and preserve the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and justice and equity, yea, every good path. For wisdom shall enter into thy heart, and knowledge shall be pleasant unto thy soul. Discretion shall watch over thee, understanding shall keep thee to deliver thee from the way of evil, from the men that speak perverse things. Whoso forsakes the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. And that's what a lot of people do. They get saved, and then they continue to walk in the same way they've always walked, in the flesh. And they don't seek out the knowledge and wisdom of God to even know what is the will of God. 14. Who rejoice to do evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, who are crooked in their ways and wayward in their paths, and to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the foreigner that flatters with her words. That strange woman is the harlot of Revelation 17. But that harlot is the mother of harlots of the earth in Revelation 17 and 5. All of those sects that came out of the mother are also called harlots because every one of those denominations received their own seed, the seed that wasn't the seed of the husband, and that makes them harlots. They received their own wisdom and their own knowledge. The knowledge of the gospel is being ignored. They reduced it to nothing more than moralizing, and there ain't no hope for moralizing, folks. Those apostate preachers can get up and give a scripture verse or two on Sunday morning, but the rest of the time, it's all their knowledge and their wisdom. Folks, there's nothing more important than the Word of God. The Word going into your heart recreates Jesus Christ in you. He is the Word. And it's the Word that does that. Nothing else can do it. Ain't no moralizing going to do it for sure. You can go to some churches and get moralized every Sunday, maybe even every Wednesday. And if you're really diligent to go after moralizing, but I'm going to tell you something, moralizing won't give you the knowledge of the gospel. Moralizing won't give you the knowledge of how you can receive freely the nature of Jesus Christ himself. It won't give you that confidence that this is your gift from God, that this is the reconciliation that he gave you at the cross. He took your life, nailed it on the cross, and gave you his life. As Paul proclaimed in Galatians 2 and verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. And that life which I now live in the flesh I live in faith, the faith which is in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. In other words, now it's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 16, To deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the foreigner that flatters with her words. Those apostate preachers will make it easy for you. Come over here. We believe in once saved, always saved. You won't have to do anything. All you got to do is believe. They will lead you in their crooked ways and in their wayward paths. Verse 17, that forsakes the friend of her youth. That's the one who saved you in the beginning. Jesus, the one you loved in the beginning. Now they want to give you another Jesus and another gospel and another spirit and forgets the covenant of her God. Some people don't even get to know that covenant before they're led astray from the Bible by the teachings of men. And like Jesus said to the Pharisees of his day in Mark 7 and verse 6, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as their doctors the precepts of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold fast the tradition of men. Full well do you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition, making void the word of God by your tradition, 
which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. There's no difference in the nature of man from the time of Jesus till now. We have to repent and believe what he says. And this is how we are reprogrammed to walk the straight walk, glory to God. Proverbs 2 and verse 18, For her house inclines unto death, and her paths unto the dead. Now that's true. Every one of those harlot houses inclines unto death. Now Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 19, None that go unto her return again, neither do they attain unto the paths of life, that thou may walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of the righteous, for the upright shall dwell in the land. This is the land of God's people, the promised land, and each promise that we read in the word will become ours if we're bold to stand on it. Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 24. Every place whereon the sole of your foot shall tread shall be yours. And what God's saying here is every place you put your foot, I'm going to give it to you. God has given us this land that we walk in. And that's the flesh that comes from the earth in order for us to conquer it. And those tribes that originally inhabited the land, the Gergeshites, Amorites, Canaanites, and so on, all represent the lust of the old man that had to be conquered in order to take that land for the spiritual man, which is Jesus Christ, who is, in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's growing in you like a little baby. And you have to feed him. And you don't feed the flesh, you feed him. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 46. While he, that was Jesus, was yet speaking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without seeking to speak to him. And one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without seeking to speak to thee. But he answered and said unto him that, that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hands towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Those who do the will of the Father are those who are bringing forth the fruit of Jesus Christ in their life. Proverbs 2.21 For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. There is a great falling away because there is a broad road to destruction, as Jesus said. Matthew 7 and 13, Enter ye in by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction. And many are they that enter in thereby. For narrow is the gate, and straight the way that leads unto life, and few are they that find it. We don't know the narrow road unless you study the wisdom of God, which is all through the Bible. Second John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, Whosoever goes onward and abides not in the teaching of Christ has not God. He that abides in the teaching, the same has both the Father and the Son. Folks, it's not who starts out with you. It's who continues with you. There are a lot of people who think they know the teaching, but they're getting it second, third, fourth, and fifth hand. And the only way you're going to know the teaching and the wisdom of God is to study the word and seek out the wisdom of God for yourself. Don't go into a dead church and be living the rest of your life. We just read that people go there and they don't ever come out. They're wasting their life. Never coming to know the wisdom of God. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 21 says, For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. That word perfect means mature. Those who come into the image of Christ, they are the mature ones. And then verse 22, But the wicked shall be cut off from the land, and the treacherous shall be rooted out of it. This is still talking about the same people. The wicked are the treacherous. Matthew 22 and 14. For many are called, but few chosen. You see, the wicked might start out with you, but they don't finish the course with you. 
1 John chapter 2 and verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they all are not of us. The wicked are going to be cut off from the land, and that's the land of promises. They're not going to know the promises. They will not live by the promises. Paul exhorted God's people to not be sons of the handmaid, but to be sons of the free woman, because it's going to be proven that not everyone who is a son of Abraham is chosen. He said many are called, but few are chosen. Galatians 4.22 says, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the handmaid, one by the free woman. Howbeit the son by the handmaid is born after the flesh, but the son by the free woman is born through the promise. The promise is what makes you born again unto Jesus Christ. And everything that he is and all that he does and thinks, okay, it's the promise that does this. It's not being moralized. It's not just joining a religion. The son of the free woman is born through promise, born again in spirit and soul and body. You know, Abraham really wanted Ismael to be chosen by God. And so have we wanted people to be chosen by God and have sown seed in both the free woman and the handmaid. And when the sons of the handmaid begin to fall away, we cry for them. But they are manifesting who they are. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 24, which things contain an allegory for these women are two covenants, one from Mount Sinai, bearing children unto bondage, which is Hagar. If you're born of Hagar, then you're in bondage. Even while you're in religion, you can be in bondage, just as the Israelites were. They were in so much bondage that when Jesus came to bring them to the higher order, they couldn't come out of that bondage. Verse 25, now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. It was the Israelites who went to Mount Sinai, and so Paul is applying this to them because they were in bondage, and they didn't know it. And answers to the Jerusalem that now is. Well, that's the physical Jerusalem over there in the Middle East. That's in bondage already. It's in bondage. For she is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, which is our mother. Praise the Lord. We are being born from above, first spirit, then soul, then body. Of course, the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Your soul has to walk after the spirit to receive the nature of that spirit in order for you to bear his fruit in your soul. Romans 8 and 13 says, For if you live after the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. When you were first saved, you received that born-again Spirit. But now you got to go on to bear fruit in your soul. Only if you bear the fruit, which is Christ-likeness, will you get that new body, the born-again body, like his body. <clears throat> Now, those harlot houses tell you to just step over the line, and that's all you need to do to be born again in your spirit. No, it ain't enough, because you haven't borne fruit yet. So how do you bear fruit? The way you bear fruit immediately is that you have to believe that you have received. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty four, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them, that's past tense. And you shall have them. You walk by faith for them until you see them. Everything that the Lord offers is going, will be nothing to the person who doesn't reach out and receive the promises by faith. They ain't going to come to pass. And Paul tells us why in Hebrews 4 and 2. The word of hearing did not profit them because it was not united by faith with them that heard. You see, they didn't mix faith with the words. Galatians Galatians 4 and 27 says, For it is written, Rejoice thou 
barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travails not, for more are the children of the desolate than of her that hath the husband. Yes, there's many called, but few chosen. Verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. But as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. And so also is it now. You know, that Ishmael, who represents the harlot, has persecuted Isaac. And that's Israel. And we know that Ishmael was chosen to be the persecutor. Although they were both born of the same father, one son turned out to be a persecutor who had no relationship with God. And that's what happens whenever people fall under the law. They don't have the grace relationship with God. There's no difference between those Galatians and somebody who falls under any law of religion today. They had a wrong relationship with God. And if you have a wrong relationship with God, you're going to fall away. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 30 says, How be it, what saith the scripture? Cast out the handmaid and her son, for the son of the handmaid shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. Wherefore, brethren, we are not children of a handmaid, but of the free woman. He's trying to convince them. Because the fact was that many of them were children of the handmaid since they had fallen back under the law. Fallen back under a false relationship with God. And he's trying to convince them of who they are supposed to be. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says, For freedom did Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and be not entangled again in a yoke of bondage. Now let's go back to where we were, Proverbs 2 and 21. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the land, and the treacherous shall be rooted out of it. It's obvious that the Ishmaelites are being cut off from the land, the land of promise. Because they bought a lie in their religion, as a lot of other people have in their religion. What the advantages and opportunities of reading God's word and appropriating everything that's been given unto us can be. That's what being called means. It's an invitation to partake of all those promises. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 4 says, And he taught me and said unto me, Let thy heart retain my word. Keep my commandments and live. Well, how do you continue to live? Well, you continue to live by studying and keeping his commandments, delighting in his commandments, and delighting in being pleasing unto him. Jesus said, he that loves me will keep my commandments. John 14, 21, 23, and 24. You don't love him if you're keeping the commandments of men, folks. Men make it easy for the old man to live because they don't want to lose their old life. They don't like the crucified life that comes with loving the commandments of God. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 5 says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Get wisdom, get understanding. Forsake her not, and she will preserve thee. Love her, and she will keep thee. Well, that's the truth, folks. Wisdom will keep you from falling away. And then verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Yea, with all thy getting, get understanding. And Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my saying. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thy heart. For they are life. And some people think that eternal life is something that God put in their hand that he can't take it back. But what does John say? First John 5 and 11 says this, And the witness is this, that God gave unto us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. You get that? This life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath the life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not the life. You see, God didn't put anything in your hand. He gave eternal life to be in the Son. And abiding in the Son is where we have eternal life. 
Proverbs 4.22, For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Did you know that God will test us? A lot of people don't even know that we're not under the curse. They don't know that Jesus is our Passover lamb. They don't know that the destroyer was meant to pass over us and take out the Egyptians. And there's too many people out there that are passing up the calling. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You know, life comes out of your heart. And if you put the wisdom of God in there, just like in the parable of the sower, you're going to be reprogrammed. And folks, I want you to understand that you are in danger and the only place you have safety is in him. If three out of every four people who hear the gospel fall away from it, you're in danger. You need to keep on putting the wisdom of God in your life. It will save and it will preserve thee, the Bible says. Proverbs 4 and 6. Now, let's look again at the parable of the sower, Matthew 13 and 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? Well, he was speaking to the Jews who had the covenant first. Jesus said in Matthew 15 and 24, I was not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But you got to remember Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. That which hath been is that which shall be. And that which hath been done is that which shall be done. There is no new thing under the sun. And once again, this man child is coming to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Only now, as Paul said in Romans 2.28, he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart. In the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Now, Israel is the ones who seek the born-again experience, not just in spirit, but in soul and ultimately in our body. These are the ones who have the covenant. These are the ones who are on the path the narrow path unto eternal life. And if you start in faith, since faith is accounted as righteousness, even when you start on that path, as long as you stay on that path, you are assured of eternal life. Not because you've manifested it, but because you're walking by faith for it. Glory to God. And I want you to notice the disciples asking, he said, why do you speak to them in parables? And of course, they wanted their brethren, the Jews, to be saved. And of course, they wanted them to understand also. And they're telling him, make it simple for him, Jesus, like the preachers do. And then Matthew 13 and verse 11, And he, that's talking about Jesus, answered and said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. Well, goodness gracious, that sounds like it was a reprobation at the beginning of the man-child Jesus ministry. And today there's a man-child ministry coming again, only this time to the church. And once again, we have the same situation. These people are not disciples. They can't hear. They've been inoculated against the truth. The man-child speaks in parables and they can't understand it. But he won't speak to them in any other way. Matthew 13, 34, and 35. All these things spake Jesus in parables unto the multitudes, and without a parable spake he nothing unto him, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken through the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things hidden from the foundation of the world. The Bible says that he took his disciples aside privately, and explained to them all things, Matthew 13 and 11. And he answered and said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it's not given. A disciple is someone that is a learner and a follower. And disciples are studying the master. They're studying the master to walk in his steps. First John chapter 2 and verse 6 says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. It's not all those eminent preachers in their fancy suits. It's Jesus 
that is our demonstration of true Christianity, which is to walk as he walked exactly. It is to manifest his gifts, his works, everything about him. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. Wherefore also he is able to save to the uttermost. And that Greek word there means completely, forever, entirely. Them that draw near unto God through him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. But although you see that it's a free gift of God, you have to receive by faith the promise of Colossians 1.27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Matthew 13 and 12, but it says, for whosoever hath to him shall be given and he shall have abundance. Whosoever has, abundance of what? Well, this is speaking of whosoever has understanding, whosoever has fruit of what they have received. You see, if we walk in the light, he puts more light in our pathway. And this is someone who has been given this fruit who has been given this understanding, that is who shall have abundance he's talking about. This is someone who is walking in the light, therefore they deserve more light. There ain't no use in putting out more light in front of somebody who's not going to walk in it. they just be condemned that much more. So God gives you a little light. If you walk in that, he gives you more light. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18. The path of the righteous is as the dawning light that shines more and more unto the perfect day. Psalms 119.105 Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He gives you a lamp for your feet to show you where you stand because if you know where you are, he can show you where you are to go. We need to know that. Some people are in fact, are in total denial about where they stand. And these people believe that they're already arrived at perfection by some magic words that they've spoken or something that they did. Matthew 13 and 12 says, For whosoever hath to him shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But whosoever has not, from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. Jesus gave the parable of the talents about that exact situation. Two of the three servants multiplied the talents their Lord entrusted them, to them, but the third servant did nothing with what he was given. His Lord was angry with him. And he said in Luke chapter 19, verse 22, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I am an austere man, taking up that which I laid not down, and reaping that which I did not sow. Then wherefore gavest thou not my money into the bank, and I at my coming should have required it with interest? And he said unto them that stood by, Take away from him the pound, and give it unto him that hath the ten pound. And they said unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. Verse 26, I say unto you that unto everyone that hath shall be given, but from him that has not, even that which he hath shall be taken away from him. When they protested, but he has 10, it was because they didn't understand God. We're called to be disciples of Jesus Christ and to walk in his steps. But there's far too many people that are like that third servant, and they wouldn't touch discipleship with a 10-foot pole. They've never even been taught that they needed or even had an opportunity to become a disciple. And And so because they bear no fruit, and they haven't sought wisdom, even though God has borne with them up to that point. Finally, he reprobates them. Or in other words, even that which he has shall be taken away from him. Matthew thirteen thirteen says, Therefore speak out to them in parables, because seeing they see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. They have physical eyes to see, but not spiritual eyes to see. How do you get spiritualized to see? Well, you got to come to know the one who wrote the book. That's how you get spiritualized to see. And that's how you get spiritual ears to hear because you'll hear only his voice. Just like Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. 
But sadly, a lot of people like to leave out that last part. They follow me. Matthew 13 and 14, And unto them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing you shall hear, and shall in no wise understand, and seeing you shall see, and shall in no wise perceive. Now, we know what understanding is and what perceiving is. And then verse 15, For this people's heart is waxed gross. He's talking about his people, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And even today, there is the lost sheep of the house of the church because they lost their path. They don't know the way and they don't know that the end of that way is Colossians one twenty seven, Christ in you, the hope of glory. They don't even know that the process that leads up to that point is Christ increasingly growing in you like a baby in the womb. Matthew 12 and 48, who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew 13 and 15. For this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed. Lest happily they should perceive with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart. They're afraid to know the truth. Because it would make them responsible to know the truth. It's easier just to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. Now, I'm not saying that can't be a beginning. And if there was a, a true repentance involved, but otherwise you're just filling the church pew and your self-deception will be revealed uh, uh, on down the road. Matthew 13 to 15, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest happily, they should perceive with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should turn again and I should heal them. Golly, God would love to heal every one of us. He wants to heal us spiritually, physically, and every other way there is. And these are the benefits of the kingdom. It's for the called. It's for the invited. Second Timothy 1 and 9, who saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before times eternal. So when you get saved, you get invited. And when you get saved in your spirit, you get a new spirit from God. And according to what the scriptures say, you receive a born-again spirit. And now, you are invited to partake of the benefits of the kingdom because now you're a kingdom person. John chapter 3, verses 3 and 5 tells us that. The world doesn't have this calling. This calling is not, hey, come on to Jesus. No, it's who saved them and called them. You get saved and then you get this invitation to partake of the kingdom. In Israel, the Israelite had the benefits of the kingdom. The pagans didn't. Matthew 13 and 16, but blessed are your eyes for they see. That's Jesus talking to his disciples. And your ears for they hear. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see the things that you, which you see. That's why it's called a good news, folks. The Jews had to struggle to find out every jot and tittle of the law and keep them or else slay a lamb. Well, folks, our lamb was slain. And the good news is that what God gives us is a free gift. Now, glory to God. Matthew 13 and 17. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men desire to see the things which ye see and saw them not, and to hear the things which ye hear and heard them not. Hear then ye the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, well, who did he just get through saying that didn't understand the word? It was his people according to the old covenant. But the man-child ministry that is coming is going to renew a call to the true gospel, which many of the people have never heard. Yet many of them will choose to stick to their religion because it's easy. Come and pay your tithes and you'll just go right into the kingdom. Hogwash. 
David says baloney, but I say, oh gosh. Matthew 13 and 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the evil one and snatches away that which hath been sown in his heart. And I've seen this happen when telling people what the true good news is. And they'd rather go back to their religion because they don't demand anything from them. This is he that was sown by the wayside. Now, not much of a chance to marry any fruit there. Verse 20, and he that was sown upon the rocky places, this is he that hears the word and straight away with joy receives it. Well, you run across these people too. They're happy because it really is good news. Verse 21, yet hath he not root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, straightway he stumbles. There it is. That's the falling away. This is somebody who in the beginning received the good news with joy, but then they didn't allow it to take a deep root in its, in their cells. When a plant's root grows down into the dirt, it actually displaces the dirt. It takes the nutrients out of that dirt, uses them to grow into an excellent plant. Second Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 16. Wherefore we faint not, but through our outward man. And the outward man is just the dirt. Is decaying, and yet our inward man is renewed day by day. But if you don't give good root to the word of God in your life and by faith, expect it to displace what your old life was. Then you're not going to bear a decent looking plant. You're certainly not going to bear fruit. You're going to stumble. Because you don't have enough root to keep you in the hard times and in the persecutions and in the tribulation. And you're going to fall away as an unbeliever because that wonderful life you've been told you're going to have by accepting Jesus as your personal Savior doesn't come. And if all you do is accept Jesus as your personal Savior, then you're not giving up your life in order to, in order to receive your life. The dirt has to give up something. <coughs> Excuse me. In order for the plant to live. Otherwise that plant jumps up quickly. And even though it might look good. It dies just as quickly. Matthew thirteen twenty two. He that was sown among the thorns. This is he. That hears the word. So he hears the word. He believes the word. And he accepts the word. And he's not like those others in the very beginning. Who didn't have ears to hear. Then it goes on and says, And the care of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. You know, compared to the rest of the world, most Americans are rich, and the riches of the world give people opportunity for sin. If you have nothing and have no hope of having anything, when Jesus is given to you, you'll receive Jesus and the good news with joy. But it might just turn out to be jailhouse religion. As soon as the convicts are set free and have the opportunity to go back to their sin, most of them do. Their sins become more important to them than the wisdom they received when they were in jail. No, opportunity to sin is not a proof that you're an overcomer. The proof that you're an overcomer, folks, is that when you have the opportunity to sin, You choose God rather than sin. Well, folks, I'm out of time. God bless you. We'll see you again next time, God willing.